Hey friends, welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, team culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me here every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. Today's podcast guest is someone so incredibly special to me that sharing him with you has been kind of a dream since I started this podcast because he's just such an important part of my life and this journey. If you've heard me speak from the stage, chances are you've heard me talk about yours truly, Zach Sutterfield. He was a student on my team and I would say I was in his circle of influence and then he stayed as a person that is in my circle of influence. So he's just super special. And so this one is going to be a special podcast drop, which is a two-part series and you're getting part one today. I cannot wait to introduce to you Zachary Sutterfield. He is a burn survivor public speaker, and a proud dog dad. He spends his time advocating for fire safety education and creating a better, safer world for the next generation of young adults. He loves a good book and a great cup of coffee, and I love him. So, Zach, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm super duper excited to be here. This is a long time coming, so I'm pretty stoked for today. It's going to be a good one. Oh my gosh. Well, of course we have to start. I know if you're listening to the podcast, you are listening to his voice. You're going to hear how incredible he is. You're going to hear his incredible story. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you can tell he's already had a beautiful journey uh, that he's going to get to talk about today. So Zach, really, where do you want to start? I'll just let you start. Where do you want to start? That's a great question. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let's start with you know being a burn survivor. I think that yeah. that's kind of the the biggest uh, notable thing about me is you know burn survivor. And um, took me a long time to say it, but I'm a proud burn survivor, and mm. you know I'm I'm here and I'm proud of it. So I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. Uh, so July 2018. Yeah, July 20th, 2018. Back. Yeah, um, good bit back. That was uh, the night that everything changed. Uh, that was the night that someone intentionally set my apartment complex on fire. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when my two roommates passed. And that's when I was burned 68% of my body, full thickness, double amputations to both of my hands. And then I received a traumatic brain injury. And that was the the start of a long and very grueling process of rehabilitation and, um, a long, very long hospital stay. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. And I I know man, we you were my student for 3 years and an officer on my team, and I like to say that means your mother will tell people that we probably spent more time together your senior year than you and her did, which is where I always oh, yeah. I always say pray for your village because who your kids spend time with is important, but uh, yeah. and we we were together a lot because we traveled together for speech and debate all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we traveled together. I also, on top of being your officer, um, I had a um, free period that was just dedicated to 
helping you doing yep. paperwork, figuring yep. out, you know, the schedule and then also grading your speech papers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You were like the best teacher aide slash right-hand man slash, uh, officer captain. Uh, yeah. You were one of those that was just poured your heart and time into the team. I'd, well, I loved it. I, I did know, too. I loved you being there. It was, I look back on it fondly. I really, really had an affinity for debate. I had a great coach and a wonderful team. And Good so answer. I, yes, yes. Great answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> <You have this. laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it was, you know, I look back on it fondly and um, I, I'll tell anyone that listens that, um, you know, that's where I got uh, my speech skill kind of honed into mm. the tool that it is today. Um, I'm a public speaker um, by uh, vocation. And a lot of that goes back to, you know, late, late afternoon. That's five o'clock in the afternoon. School ended like three hours ago and <laughs> we're still working on the same piece because yeah. by golly, UIL is coming up and we need to. So a lot of, a lot of credit goes to you and the team oh. for kind of building me up and making me who I am. It's neat to watch your journey still. Uh, okay, so 2018, we have this beautiful link. And and I, I always say, man, you really never know who your circle of influence is going to stretch to be past the time that you think they were in your circle. And you are a prime example of, you were in my circle when you were on my team and we were super close because we were around each other for so long. You were the one of the kids that checked in with me often. And if you are in education or any similar field, you know what it's like when you have a, a special bond and that person just keeps checking in and letting Zach was that way. He was the kid that kind of let me know what was going on with his life and let me cheer him on and cheered me on. And um, just as such a gift. Uh, so in 2018, when I got the phone call, that you were in the apartment fires. I was like right down the road for family vacation. And I got in my car and I went to Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, where you lived for how long? How long were you in Bamsey? 18 months. 18 months. I, a good portion of that was inpatient care. From July 20th until February 1st of the next year, um, I stayed in the ICU and inpatient. And then I lived uh, at the medical facility. It's called a Fisher House. Mm -hmm. I lived there for another year until we had, you know, craniotomy. They put my skull back together. And that's when we decided, you know, let's go home for a little bit. Yeah. It was a long journey. It was. But I did not walk it alone. I um, I had a great staff that took care of me. I had wonderful friends and family. And then, you know, you yourself, um, I don't remember it because of course I was in a coma and I had a lot of drugs, you know, pushed through me. But one of the things that my parents, you know, talked about was, yeah, you know, Julie, she'd come up on the weekends with a busload of kids and, you know, they'd all cram into the room. And, you know, at that point in time, some were saying goodbye because they yeah. thought that that was that. Yeah. Um, but my parents, you know, they, they loved you so much. And my dad loved you more than, you know, and my mom loves you like you're a sister. So you're, whether you like it or not, you're a part of the family. Okay. I will always proudly sport the family title. I love it. Such a gift. Love you guys. All of you. Absolutely. What would you say Zach was, and I know you don't remember all of the parts, 
But what what would you say was the hardest part of your journey at BMC? Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, you know, the physical stuff, it, it was difficult, right? Um, learning how to adapt with what you have is, is pretty difficult. Um, but humans are really amazing at adapting to what they have left. And so that part, you know, I, I learned how to put my socks on and, and I learned how to brush my teeth again. And so that was kind of difficult. But I would say the most difficult aspect was the mental part, right? Um, you know, the questioning of why God did you let this happen to me? You know, why me? And then, you know, you're angry and then you're sad and then, you know, you're trying to deal with all these emotions. And so I'd say that the most difficult part of um, the entire thing was the mental. Um, don't get me wrong. Physical therapy was painful. And, you know, oh. I did not want to ride that bike every day, but um, it was the mental uh, struggle that was the most difficult, I'd say. Yeah. Tell me, tell me some of your memories. Share, share um, some of the stuff you want to share. Sure. My first um, real memory. So <laughs> with the traumatic brain injury, my short-term memory was pretty bad for, I mean, it's still kind of bad, but I'm much better at it. But, mm -hmm. you know, in 2018, my short-term memory, I had what we called a reset. So every five minutes, I'd forget what had happened previously. But my first real memory was Christmas of that year. Um, you actually had gotten me um, a Hawaiian T-shirt <laughs> that we still have. We still have that Hawaiian T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, opening up Christmas gifts. That was my first memory. Wow. Uh, kind of realizing what had happened to me and where I was was, mm -hmm. you know, a struggle. Right. But that was what I was dealing with. And that was kind of the first memories I had of like, okay, this isn't a dream. What happened to me? Oh, there was a fire. Was anyone else injured? That was kind of the, yeah. the first uh, little bit of it. Walking through that over and over again. Sucks. Yeah. And, you know, with a traumatic brain injury, and this was something that my parents really struggled with because they wanted to be honest with me, right? They didn't want to lie to me, but with, you know, the brain injury, they would tell me what had happened. I would cry profusely and then I would forget. And then I would ask again and again and again. And so it was kind of unanimous, unanimous that um, we just didn't talk about it. They didn't lie to me at all. But what they would do is just kind of focus the conversation to something else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just that that's that's how we deal. And that's how we dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you had some of the most incredible people at BMC. One of my very favorite pictures is when I took at at your college graduation. Go ahead, you. I mean, if there is not like happy endings of how incredible you are, there's just one, one way to demonstrate it is putting that picture of you graduating from Angelo State University. Uh, yeah. But it's all the people from BMC that came uh -huh. down for your graduation. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, um, I'll talk about this more and more, but there, you're only as strong as the community around you, right? And at Dancy, we had the best of the best. We had nurses that advocated for us. We had PT um, uh, and, and rehabilitation people who, you know, sometimes I didn't want to bike and I didn't want to be stretched out and I didn't want to do this. Yeah. And so we would sit on the table and we would cry or we would talk. And a lot of the times they became like family for us, you know, 
that was I, I still, you know, I still consider a few of them, you know, surrogate aunts and uncles. And um, so I I had the best healthcare there. And I, I really, really loved the people that took care of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that I would have been as well off if I didn't have those people there with me. You know, they really gave their all to me. And I'm yeah. so blessed and so thankful for them. Of course. Okay. So what, what else about, and I, I mean, just knowing, I know that you've lived it every day for so many years, but if somebody is listening and they, they don't know the story, is there any other parts of it that you, you want to share? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that I like to tell people was, you know, much like many young 20 year olds going to college, I was just a broke college student trying to afford a place next to campus where, you know, my friends were. And that was my big worry, right? It was just have a roof over my head. And now I kind of really try to advocate for look before you lease. So if there's any young adults who are going off to college or anyone listening who is going into their first apartment or, you know, a new apartment complex, look before you lease. It's your right as a, a potential tenant to know if the building is up to code, whether it passes inspection. And if it's not, don't give them your money, go somewhere safer. That That's my big platform. And that's, that's my little plug for the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, plug away because there's so many hard parts. I know that you have tied to that and you're a huge advocate for fire safety and us doing our best to help establishments in our areas to mm-hmm. be up to code. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a problem that I see that um, is pretty fixable. And I think with enough public attention, you know, and eyes thrown at it, we can get some change made. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of the big dream is to, Mm -hmm. I like to say, you build a path in front of you for the people behind you to walk easier. Of course. That's, that's the dream. You're incredible. (laughs) I love that. Um, So when we're walking down, um, that path of, you know, I remember being so angry and I know you and your family were as well being so angry about all of the fire pieces, but of course, watching you have to struggle made that so, so hard. Mm. And the struggles I remember, which I I know that I didn't live in that space with you, uh, like your parents did and have all the memories that I know you guys have, but watching you try to walk for the first time or one of the first times when I was there was hard. And I know you talk about remembering learning how to do stuff again, having to, or yeah, having to learn how to do stuff. What do you remember about those first stages in learning? Oh, I was so angry at the world. Mm. I, um, was, you know, and I think rightfully so I was just angry at everything that was going on. And so for the, First six months after the fire, you know, I'm so inundated with drugs and I'm, um, they're trying to keep me at a good level. And I just wasn't a very kind person to the nurses or to my family because I thought I was in a dream, right? This was so bizarre to me. Like I could still feel my fingers and my hands. I, it, it just felt so surreal. And so I just wasn't the kindest person, which, you know, kind of led me down the path of, um, fixing that and living my best life daily and trying to be a good person and a, and a great human to other people. Um, so yeah, I think it all culminated to make me, and it's going to sound crazy, a much better, caring, kinder person. 
which is all you can hope for. I mean, you're just incredible. I love it. Um, I remember um, sitting in your room and reading poetry to you, which you don't remember, your poetry that you used for competition when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember uh, singing to you because I didn't know what else to say when you were mm-hmm. in the hot room. Oh, my goodness. That room was so hot. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Do you remember yeah. that? I remember everyone gowning up and sweating. Yep. And of course, you know, as a burn survivor who's burned so significantly, I don't, I can't sweat from where I was burned. So um, I was always uncomfortable. And I, I guess, you know, that may have uh, been one of the reasons I was so irritable is I was a little uncomfortable in the room. <laughs> I mean, I'm irritable when I'm uncomfortable too. I get that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, you would wear this yellow gown and, you know, face masks and everything that, you know, they, you just tried to get the infection as low as possible. So mm-hmm. you always had to decon, sanitize, gown up before you could even walk into my room, mm-hmm. which was kept at a hundred degrees because, you know, that's about the temperature that your body's at normally. And I couldn't regulate my temperature. So they had to keep it at the temperature or about the temperature of normal body heat. Yeah. Um, which I know is difficult for you to walk in, but um, I think everyone there would agree that it was not the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> no one cared. Everyone was so happy to be in a space with you. Uh, I remember uh, holding your hand, and this was in the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is when, and I know you and I have talked about this at coffee before, but um, everyone was just hoping that you were going to survive. And that's when they were telling us it was a 30% chance you live, which wasn't maybe completely true because they just want to give you hope and all the things. But uh, I remember feeling you grab my hand and Mm -hmm. me think, well, he, I mean, he's alive and he knows we're here because he is uh, holding my hand. Uh, I know that you don't remember that, but there's just so many significant memories of that. You know, there's so many stories that people tell me of what had happened to me in the hospital from their point of view. And I know that I don't remember them, but it's nice to feel that memory from someone else. And, and that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's what I'm most grateful for. <laughs> You're so awesome. Did your mom just walk into the room? Yeah, she just walked in. She said hello to you. She just uh, waved. Tell her I said hi. Sweet that will do. She's the greatest. She's, I love to tell people that she willed me back to life. She's incredible. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she kept it together, but she she's amazing. I mean, watching your your parents walk through that was really a gift as well because your the strength that your parents had was mm-hmm. nothing like I've ever seen before. And I know your mom has special medical training um, from her time in the military, but watching her care for you too. Yeah. Uh, yes. Do you remember yeah. some pieces? You want to talk about any of that? Your mom? Oh, sure. You know, she had to fill so many roles, right? Like she was my mom, you know, she was my mother and she wanted me to get better, but she was also my therapist and my physical therapist. And, um, she was the only woman that I would let bathe me because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't know this about, um, burn injuries, but, one of the first things they have to do after a burn is they have to bathe you and they have to get rid of all the dead skin and they have to, it's a very painful process. 
And so for the longest time, I was terrified of a shower. I wouldn't let nurses do it. I would try my best to punch them with my messed up hands. Um, but my mom was one of those that really took it over. And she said, no, honey, I will take care of you. I, I'm not going to hurt you on purpose. And she was one of the only people that I would let do it. And so that slowly transitioned from, yeah, I'm going to shower my son to, hey, let me get in on wound care. I want to learn how to take care of him. And to today where, you know, if, I am, if I'm injured in any way, she takes care of me. If I have a cut or if, hey, something's wrong, she's my medic first, you know. Yeah. Um, so she, she wears a lot of hats. Uh, mom, co-worker, medic, everything. Yeah, she and she did it not easily. I can't imagine all the roles that she filled, but she did it beautifully. She worked so hard. I know that you know that, but uh, we were all always amazed with the way she was able to step up and care for you. And as a mother, I man, I know you'll do anything for your kids, but the pain that you had to go through and your mom had to put you through for your best benefit. Cause I know scrubbing and, Oh gosh, all of the awful things that she stepped up and did. She's which she was nominated for mother of the year. Yeah. She won Texas's mother of the year, which is pretty incredible. And I think rightfully so she's, you know, I'll, 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 I'll sing it to the moon and back about how her mom is. Um, Me too. Yeah. I'll sing it with you. We'll sing a duo. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But you know, she, I I hope she knows how much I appreciate her she and does. how much I see her for all that she did for me. So um, yeah. I'm eternally grateful for her. I know we pick at each other and we poke, but um, she's my mom and I love her so much. You're so wonderful. Okay. So tell me, I know that we're, we're doing this, this first segment kind of just as a, a recap of where you've been and what you've been through. Um, and if somebody doesn't know your story, are there any other parts that you, you want to share? Oh, well, you know, rehabilitation, I think was uh, difficult. It took me a long time, you know, to get to a point where I could look at myself in the mirror proudly and, um, you know, with no regrets of like, um, on my body. And, you know, uh, it, it took a long time to fall back in love with myself. And so I would say to anyone listening, just to give yourself grace, give yourself time, you know, do things for yourself in a way that honors your body and your soul and your mind, and then slowly allow yourself to fall in love with who you are. And, um, that's coming from someone who, you know, really didn't like who they were for the longest time. You know, I didn't like the body I was in. I didn't like what the trials and tribulations that, um, I had to go through. And so I'd say to anyone listening to fall in love with life and fall in love with yourself and give yourself the most grace possible because, um, you deserve it. And, and I, I think that, um, uh, that's what God would want us to do. Mm, okay. We got to talk about that more because I think that is so impactful and something that I, one of my very favorite pictures of you, we'll have to dig it up and throw it in the show notes maybe is one that photographer came in and did, and you have your shirt off and you're standing up. Do you remember this picture? Yes. And you put Ron on your pose. Do what? Yeah. Ron Whitpin uh, took that picture. Okay. I know exactly which one you're talking about. And and you have on your post like that it took you a long time, exactly what you just said, but this is mm-hmm. the first picture that you see yourself and you love yourself again. Mm-hmm. But the picture is so telling because it is you being brutally open with the wounds and the heartache and um, just 
you know, the almost 70% of your body being third degree burns. Mm -hmm. How did you get to that place, Zach? Oh, okay. So you asked me earlier about a quote that I like, right? And this is one that I keep really close to my heart. Um, I believe it's a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien, but I know it from Mr. Stephen Colbert. Um, What difficulties of God are not gifts? Mm. No. What difficulties of this lifetime are not gifts? How grateful am I to be in a position where, yeah, God, for some reason, decided I was strong enough to carry this cross and this burden. So why not be grateful for the life that I live, even though it's difficult? How grateful am I that I get to feel the sun on my skin, to drink a nice glass of coffee, that I get to enjoy the smells of baked goods and the love of my pets. So, um, you know, what difficulties of, uh, uh, of God are not gifts? And that's kind of the way you have to look at it. Yeah. I hope so, that answers your question. It's beautiful. So when you, knowing that other people sit in struggle spots and here we are into the year, into the year is sometimes a very tough time. I know Christmas can even mm-hmm. be a tough time and that's the day we're dropping this. So if you are sitting in that struggle space, I love the way you've walked through it, but what advice do you have for someone that's still struggling? I would say give yourself grace. I think that that's important to remember that you're human and by virtue of being humans, we are faulty. You know, we're made in God's image, but we're not perfect, right? Um, So we have our faults, we have our difficulties, but it's important to remember that um, we were created by um, a power that is greater than us that saw a life that he wanted us to live with uh, love and happiness and joy. So in your most difficult times, remember that there's always someone watching over you. And, you know, whatever your beliefs are, personally mine, I know that there's someone up there watching me. Um, I know that my dad watches over me and so does my grandfather. And I hope that they are sharing many stories up there with everyone else. Um, So that's what I would say to anyone that's struggling is just to give yourself grace, allow yourself to fall in love with life in whatever meaningful way it is for you. And then Yeah. Um, Also, you know, find a community. I think that Mm -hmm. that's super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Find people. And, you know, I, I, in my speaking gig this morning, we talked a lot about, you know, I talk about your circle of influence, but remembering also that your circle of influence that influences you is just as important. Like your top five people that you let pour into your life Mm -hmm. are really impactful with your mindset and how you move Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. You know, you can water a plant all day long, but if you're watering it with Pepsi and Coke, it's not going to grow. You need to water it with, uh, you know, love and admiration and what it needs. And that's the most important part, what it needs to grow. I love and people, that. Well, and figuring out what it needs. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and figuring out what you need, you know, um, you can only pour into someone else's cup before yours is empty. Right. And so it's important to remember that while you do give so much of yourself to other people, sometimes you need some water for your plants. So, you know, give unto others before, you know, you need to give to yourself. I love that. I love that. Oh man. Okay. I know you're, you're so inspirational, Zach. And I appreciate you uh, starting us off 
with a little bit about your story. And I know it's hard to talk about July of 2018. And I know it's, um, it's frustrating. The fire pieces of it are so frustrating. Your journey was so hard. Um, but you, you're a beautiful soul. We, I thank you for sharing with us. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me share. I, I really appreciate your time and, you know, yeah. thanks for letting me be here with you, you know, and, yeah. you know, work together. Woohoo. I know. <laughs> well, this isn't the end of Zach Sutterfield. This is just part one. Uh, and I hope that you tune in next week for part two, but for this week, Merry Christmas. And may you find blessings in your space. Your challenge this week is just to do as Zach has inspired us to do in giving ourselves grace and finding ways to love ourselves no matter where we are, no matter how busy our season is or how happy and or frustrating or whatever today and this uh, holiday season looks like for you. I hope that you remember to give yourself grace and know that loving yourself is the best place to start in pouring into not only yourself, but those around you. I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast so you don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. I'll see you next week.